Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Dan Cottrell. And I'm glad to welcome to the podcast Mark Cairns. Mark is head coach of Scottish Premiership One Club, the Curry Chieftains. He is also co-founder of Coach Logic, a collaborative video analysis platform for sports. Their mantra is to hashtag connect the game through videos. So welcome to the podcast, Mark. Well, yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure and I always like sharing my ideas. So it's uh, yeah, great to be great to be here. Thanks very much, Dan. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. And uh, yes, yeah, so I'm looking forward to asking you some questions and to enable us to sort of share some of your thoughts and your experiences around um, the collaborative video analysis idea. So I'm keen to talk about video analysis and uh, how it can be used positively by coaches, but also recognizing and something that we talked to uh, chatted about before is that uh, video analysis does come with some health warnings and some pitfalls. So based on that, then uh, video analysis, first of all, is not one area. There are lots of different elements to enhance a coach's and player's experience. So thinking from a novice's point of view, where do you start? Yeah, so uh, video analysis doesn't have to be the kind of bells and whistles that you would maybe think of in a professional environment. Um, what I really see video as is a as a key learning asset, um, and I would start with video. Like it, it's just it's a great way to extend uh, your contact time with players. Um, you, you, most of the guys listening to this will probably only get a Tuesday, Thursday with their team maybe, uh, maybe lucky enough to get a Monday and, uh, you know, Saturday game time. And it's just that, that that video allows you to maybe send some bits of information, prime some players to have discussions. So I, I, I think it just gives coaches a really good opportunity to um, extend the amount of contact time and increase the opportunities for players to learn. Um, so, so just going back to you, I like the idea of priming um, the player. So just uh, give me an example of how priming the player might work and remember that um, some of the coaches are watching may be uh, I mean they, they, they're probably um, salivating at the thought of having a Tuesday and Thursday with their players they might even only just have one session with their players which which suggests that video footage might be even more important so how yeah. might they prime a player and what does yeah. that mean yeah so I guess first up priming the player is really instead of bringing a surprise on them with a question in front of their peer group um, and expecting them to engage uh, productively with that pressure on them to kind of give their opinion with no notice. Um, it's actually just setting them up and saying, you know, this is the kind of stuff we'll be talking about um, during our, you know, our session, or these are the kind of things we'll be doing in the session. Um, and I'm going to prime them with some content to show them maybe how that is being uh, executed in an elite level or even stuff from their own matches that you've managed to pull together. So, yeah, just giving them a, a heads up on what you're going to be covering, whether it's in a team meeting or in a session, so that they can just, you know, give you a better answer or execute a skill a bit more effectively. Um, and in terms of video itself, I think a lot of coaches will go straight to thinking we don't film our matches, so therefore we don't have video content. But, um, you know, there's there's actually a lot of good content out there on YouTube. Um, 
you you have the ability to kind of share bits and pieces from the highlights of the Premiership that you kind of want the players to get involved in, um, or the Six Nations that are on at the moment. Um, there's lots of things you can do just you know using your phone at, in a training session and and, and uh, you know filming a, a line out and then post session putting that line out clip on a WhatsApp group to ask some questions around you know how the, the players felt they did in that in that moment and what they would do better you know if, if given opportunity again. So the the video itself can come from model performances like I said uh, video footage that's already out there or just taken from your phone at a you know, a, an opportunity during a training session. So it doesn't have to go full uh, broadcast quality and have a cameraman, etc. So thinking about uh, using your phone, there must be oh. some um, do's and don'ts about how to film effectively uh, in those circumstances. So have you got any sort of uh, brief tips? To, so I get out my phone and the first thing I should do, obviously I'm pressing the record button, but angles, uh, positions... Thoughts yeah. on that? Like one of the simple things that I did at the start of this year was I just made the got the forwards to go through all of our lineout, our basic lineout moves, um, and 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 that was something I could film from my phone, and then that's something they can then look back on and understand, you know, what their different options are rather than a bit of paper with some arrows on it. In terms of filming itself, it's um, you obviously want you want to film in landscape, so that sounds like a really simple thing, but um, you know the, the to give the players a full screen because they're they're going to be watching that film on their phone as well. Uh, you want to make sure that you're you're filming in landscape. Um, you don't want to film for too long. Um, there's a really good statistic around Generation Z, which is you know anyone between the age of 10 and 25, um, and these guys are watching 68 video uh, clips per day. They're they're not they're not watching long videos. Uh, they're they're used to short form. So. Just trying to, you know, take 30 seconds here or there um, so you could share that uh, in a platform like WhatsApp um, afterwards so they can actually get access to that content. And uh, finally, it's, you know, it's how you kind of uh, create a discussion around the content. So, again, I would definitely, once you've got it, don't put it somewhere and tell them exactly what you think. Um, open it up for discussion around the player group to find out what they're thinking. Um, so I guess that's not video production apart from... Uh, do it in landscape but um well i think there's yeah. a no there's some key there's some key points in that and certainly taking the short clips uh makes makes a difference so ed you you're opening up the discussion there are ways to ask the questions which can bring out more from the players than just answering a very open question um i know that creativity uh, one of the myths of creativity is you keep everything too open but creativity actually needs constraints so Give, give me a, a almost like a constraining question, which doesn't give you the answer you want to know, but just gives them enough for them to maybe think a bit harder about what's, what they've got to think about. Yeah, so a lot of the things that I'll look for is off the ball um, when analysing like our, our team's performance. And I kind of encourage the players to look for the off the ball moments as much as possible because they can kind of control all that stuff. Um, and, you know, certain things I'd be looking for if, if you know, asking the right question would just be saying, you know, what could we have done to get into position, um, you know, quicker? Or um, what was the reason for us executing this uh, poorly? Uh, what would have helped? Um, so you're saying that's a negative. They're aware there's a problem to solve here, but you're not telling them how to do it. 
Um, or equally, you know, what are three good things you've noticed in this passage of play um, that we did effectively? So again, they know it's a positive that they're looking for. Um, so yeah, just directing them, uh, whether it's a positive or it's a negative, or telling them to look off the ball or on the ball. Um, you know, that's that's the kind of stuff I would be trying to do within my questioning. Now, what age group are we thinking that this is going to be effective with? Uh, because some of those questions there are obviously with slightly more experienced players who've got um, an understanding of uh, the the aspects of getting into position. So they may know that I need to be uh, in this in this position in relationship to the first receiver, to the second receiver. Uh, I need to be connected in this way. So that's obviously for more experienced players. Where yeah. would you go? I mean, because I, mean, I expect there are plenty of coaches thinking, well, oh, that sounds fine for um, um, a coach who's working with senior players. How can I maybe work this with my under-15s or under-14s? I think I think the coaches be surprised. Um, I think we 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 overcomplicate the game as we get older. I, I think the players sometimes that are younger see things in a much uh, more simplistic way and probably give you a refreshing answer that you weren't expecting. Yeah. Um, so the, the, for example, the whole thing around about positioning and next to him and or not next to her, um, that's something that we we kind of have created complexity around as coaches but the the players might just say i jumped to my feet really quickly you know they they noticed that part um and or or i had my hands up i think the same questions can be asked to the to to the different age groups one thing i would i would kind of edge towards with um younger um uh, children when doing this is is really focus on um positive reinforcement so there's a we, we work with some schools you know a, a bunch of schools with uh, from my work with coach logic and they're introducing analysis to children that are you know 14 15 years old um and a big one for those guys is actually looking at all the good stuff we're doing so what you want to have you want to create an environment where the player wants to be on film you know you want to because then so every time they're on film they know it's going to be a positive moment and or they see someone else doing something really positive and they think, oh, I want to be on film next time. So it becomes a, a, a good thing. I think uh, if analysis from a, a young age goes down a kind of work-on route, which can be seen as, as negative, uh, the player knows every time they're going to be on the film, um, they've probably done something wrong and they, <laughs> they stop wanting to actually do things in the game um, rather than the opposite, which which happens if you positively reinforce the behaviour, they, they kind of want to go and do it. They want to be, um, uh, you know, experimenting. They know if they don't do something particularly well, it's not going to be made a big deal of. But if they do something really well and execute, it's going to be out for everyone else to see and they're going to get a pat on the back. So that would be the big one for me in terms of uh, working with the younger or the, the older uh, athletes. Yeah, like creating a, almost like a highlights reel of what what goes well i think i've mentioned this before on a on a previous podcast but one of the very powerful outcomes they found from a long time ago when they were working on feed forward with 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 very dyspraxic uh, children they gave them a highlights reel of them walking down a corridor right and they found that uh the, the child actually couldn't go down the corridor without bumping into people normally if they showed them a highlights reel of how they did it well and it might be they had to cut it up lots and lots that the player came around with uh, the, the child came with such positive images that when they actually came to the, um them having to do it again 
that they were able to be a lot more confident and far more effective. So that, yes, I see how that can, there is that danger that you can become too negative when in fact you've got to, got to highlight. So that sort of leads me on to uh, the next question, which is that we are sometimes looking for the wrong cues, seeing the general, not the specific. Um, so apart from being uh, asking the questions and being positive, are there any other ways that we can watch back footage more effectively? Yeah, I think we've got to um, separate what we see as footage as well. Like, so you'll probably be the same as me, but when I'm watching the Six Nations right now, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer able to watch it just as a fan. Um, I'm constantly assessing, you know, everything that's going on around the pitch. I'm not following the ball so much as I'm following, you know, bits that I'm interested in um, due to the fact I'm probably more forwards. Um, so many, and I'm working on our defence just now within my team. I think you've got a really good opportunity as a coach to tee the players up to watch everything, you know, um, with a more analytical brain, because uh, there is a lot of rugby out there and there's lots of, uh, you know, opportunities for them to watch rather than just being themselves. So um, the, the, I guess the best thing for me would be to try and focus the players on the off the ball. Uh, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but if, if I can prompt them to focus off the ball, then it's it's changing their mindset to saying well, how are these players or how are you if they're watching themselves how are they giving themselves the best opportunity opportunity sorry to be effective in the moment um and the cool thing about off the ball is it's pretty much controllable so it's it's generally going to be hardly any variables because it'll be an effort uh, decision it'll be a positional thing where they've kind of assessed and they've made a decision without any kind of real variable uh, in interrupting that um and then, but I, what, I, what we tend to do is we tend to focus on the execution of the skill or decision. Um, and there's so much that's happened prior to that, um, that that's basically created that situation. And I think the players miss out on seeing uh, because they watch a game as a fan or as a coach, we just show them the execution part uh, and we're talking about their, their hand placement on the ball or something like that, uh, where there was probably a ton of work the player could have done prior to it. So... Yeah, I hope that answers the question a little bit, but I would be saying the cue is what does that player do in the lead up to giving themselves an opportunity to be effective, whether it's on a defensive line or whether it's part of the attack. Um, that's, that's kind of how I would be trying to switch their, their thinking, uh, no matter what game they're watching. So that is, that's interesting because uh, the, the player is problem solving. Uh, okay. And again, one of the things I've been reading more recently is that when you help players to work on problem solving, you don't give them problems, you help them find all the solutions there are. So there, by watching the footage, they're actually saying, well, the solution to this is I've got to stand here, or the solution to that is that I've got to get myself into that position. Because as you say, you're right, you, we can analyze uh, exact ball placement, uh, the elbow in the pass, <laughs> yeah. but the, the footage itself that we can watch back, we can see, well, just a second, if I put myself there, that that time, next time I come to that problem, I know that I've got to be a little flatter, a little deeper, arriving a bit earlier, yeah. uh, uh, get myself back into the game in this position. So when I bounce out of a tackle, so I've made the tackle um, and the play's moved on, it's no point in me just chasing around all the all these sorts of things. And it, unless you are thinking around that and seeing it perhaps then it's it's more more difficult so again i'm thinking about the questions that you've got to be asking players to get 
to get more out of it. So you keep saying off the ball, which yeah. means uh, means both attack and defence. So, for instance, you've been talking about your forwards' defence. So what specific things are you trying to get your players to think about when they're watching the footage, which you think will enhance their game? Yeah, so again, it's just, it's just off, uh, have I given myself an opportunity to be effective? And whether they're effective or not is, is you know, that's something we can work on, I guess. Um, but it's, it's the, the easy thing for me would be speed to feet. So if they got up, off onto their feet as quickly as possible. Um, have they arrived in position early enough to be able to get their head up and scan? And then what's the positioning been in the line? So have they managed to get themselves, you know, whether depending on your defensive shape, you might want the player to start outside the, the person in front of them. You might want them to start inside if you're doing some kind of push defense or you might want them square. I don't, I don't really know. I wouldn't want them square, but that might be a, that might be something. But for me, I would want them inside, you know, inside shoulder, inside body, I think uh, is what they would call it in England. Um, and from there, it's getting off the line quickly. Um, so that setup then gives that player the opportunity to have real clarity um, as to who they're on. Um, that then will give them line speed, which is really important because that stops the decision-making process that stops the decision time that the attacker has available and then probably gives them the best opportunity to make an effective tackle. The tackle, if you think about all that stuff leading up to that, the tackle itself is it's just an outcome. Uh, there's no there's no lead metric there. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of, I'm going back to business stuff. But um, And, and the, the cool thing with video as well is I would ask them their decision-making within those moments. So um, a guy called Ed Hall that I speak to... Yeah, yeah. Um, Sometimes um, he, in Northum, uh, Northumbria University, he's he's looking a lot at stimulated recall. Um, so that information is there in the player that has been stored, you know, from that match. Um, the the um, it will be there somewhere, but they only remember about to, in, in terms of the, in the front of their thoughts would be about twenty to thirty percent of the game. But if you show them a clip, you know, they'll remember they'll stimulate the recall of that, that particular moment, and they'll be able to talk you through you know, why they didn't get to their feet quickly or um, why they ended up in a position where they weren't really, you know, optimal or, you know, maybe as they were going up, what they were thinking uh, before they made the tackle or didn't make the tackle. So it's really powerful. Um, but that's the kind of stuff I would focus on. The, the actual execution of the tackle that for me is, 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 is not as big a deal. Uh, that can be worked on in training uh, as well. Now, that, that brings me on to nice on to the next question, which is uh, just watching it. So you've given them some cues and just watching it doesn't mean you've made progress. So uh, once once you've got those findings, you've said uh, we need to work on this. How do you effectively communicate what you've discovered to them? I know that you've asked them questions, but there must be things that you're thinking, right, we've got to work on this. Yeah. Uh, now, one of the ways is to ask questions. Is it to only ask questions, or are you actually then um, giving giving out some information? Yeah. So actually, I've 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 moved away. I don't ask as many questions now. So um, what I've got to the point now is that the the players will be asking each other the questions, mm. and I'll be chairing the discussion. Uh, we obviously use the the Coach Logic platform, but it can easily be done in a WhatsApp group as well. 
shouldn't, shouldn't say things like that probably um, <laughs> you but, can't say that yeah. <laughs> um, other, yeah, other platforms are available uh, yeah, exactly yeah so the what I would what I do with my player group is the first bit is I do not want them to be constrained by the analysis that's already been completed so for example um, if I say that was a successful tackle you know because of this then there's no discussion going to take place there or or the opposite so I just want to say there's, this is our defence, this is our attack, this is our line-out, this is our scrum, and clip those moments in the match. But we do that as a playing group. So there's, we all take five minutes of the game each, and we just, across uh, six areas, uh, we, we clip all the moments. And then from there, um, the players lead on each area. So our line-out caller would, would generally create a lot of discussions around some of the key line-outs that they've, they've found. Um, and, and they would be asking... The, the questions um, of, of the playing group. And my job as a coach has switched a lot to being not about getting my players to understand the game better, but to get my players to behave more like coaches because um, they can be pretty brutal on each other once you give them the ability to clip something and send it to each other. Mm. Um, so, for example, like it's exactly like real life if whether it's on a whatsapp group it's exactly like real life so we we would not really want to you know shout at someone in front of uh, a room full of people first for example if i said you know at everyone on a whatsapp group is this uh, and say this is not acceptable john smith you need to mm. be braver than this during a defensive set um that's just going to get that player's back up and uh, they're probably either going to freeze you know they're going to the old brain they'll fight flight or freeze mm. but i'm not going to have a, an effective communication uh, conversation whereas if i said to john smith privately whether it's at john smith or or in you know outside the changing room i know you wanted to make this tackle but what could you feel you've done better then that opens up a discussion where they can accept responsibility and and, and try and improve so that's what I'm trying to teach my players is, is, is how to communicate effectively, how to ask um, effective decision, uh, questions and, um, and then from there get to an answer. Um, what, we have, what we have in rugby, which is, is actually pretty unique to rugby, um, is a bit of uh, downtime during the match um, without any coach influence. So I'm stuck on the sideline in my box and there's a bit of downtime where the players can start the problems. So, um, so that's the, that, at that point in the game, I want those leaders to almost be discussing the match like they would, you know, post-match. But now they're in the match, uh, ask the right questions of the playing group, and then come up with uh, how to move forward. So, the way to commun- the effective communication is massive because it actually can change. Um, how a game goes, the momentum of a game, if, if, if done properly during that downtime. So that's kind of what I want to teach them. And obviously, during the game, uh, they'll be asking each other questions and checking each other uh, on things that they want to achieve. And that's very good if they can do it in that moment. Say, oh, next line out, let's do this because this has happened. So they recognise it uh, between themselves. I mean, it's very, it's great to be able to shout it on from the sidelines but they've, they've got to solve the problems themselves. Now, just going back to one of the things you said, uh, do you think that players get worried or know that they're in trouble if you say uh, the word better? Uh, like, for instance, uh, I've just been watching your tackles. What could you do differently? 
uh, or what could yeah. you do to improve that? Now, they know that actually that's the iron fist in a velvet glove type question. <laughs> uh, would it possibly sometimes be better? Uh, this is my suggestion, and I'm looking forward to your potential way of putting this in a better way. Uh, yeah. Maybe we could actually say directly to them, right, John Smith, uh, going through the tackling, and we both know that that was not brave enough in that tackle. Um what, what would be the next part of that conversation? Or would you say, I've just been reviewing your tackling and uh, that, that, that's what happened. Uh, what could you do better? Because he knows it. Both both ones are kind of come out with the same answer. I've got to be braver or I know, coach, that I've made a mistake and I've got to do something different. Yeah. Is that, do you think uh, players becoming immune to our Iron Fisk Velvet Glove questions? No, I th I th yeah, obviously, it's just, so the, re the reason that at the start I said I know you wanted to make this tackle, because you, you kind of want to take the personal aspect away, like, no one's standing there on the line thinking I don't want to make a tackle, um, and it's almost like just sh sharing that with them, that you, you have a compassion, like, it's 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 tough, like, it's, I don't think coaches do that enough, um, I've said that to my players a lot, like, I would be on the defensive line, there'd be a massive guy in front of me, my way of problem solving the fact that I was, I'm just going to say, uh, fearful, as a probably a better word than what I was going to say, um, was, to, <laughs> was, was to close down his space as quickly as possible and to go as low as I could. And then I got pats on the back, people thinking I was brave, but I wasn't. I was scared <laughs> and, <laughs> I, and I problem solved. So I'm kind of really open with my players around about um, being fearful in defence and uh, you know, you even got a guy like Mike Tyson, who is, uh, you know, everyone thinks was a kind of tough, tough boxer, but a lot of his fights he would go into and he'd, he'd be really fearful um, because it's a it's a sport that, you know, you can get knocked out and you can you can you can get really hurt and you can lose. And, and he was on this pedestal here where he would go into the boxing ring, he'd be really fearful and his way of um, combating that would be to be ultra aggressive. Um, so I think if, as a coach, if you can show like I've made mistakes like this, I've been fear, I've, I've, you know, I've had concerns here. Try not to be whiter and white. Then the players are more likely to form a good relationship with you, where you can ask the question. You know, you know, I empathise with the situation you're in, but what, what do you reckon you could have done better? And if it comes from that place, then I don't think there's a problem. If it comes from a place where, as a coach, you've never ever shown vulnerability and you never kind of explained that you, you had problems when you were playing as well, then, yeah, it could be seen as, like, the iron fist and the velvet glove. Mm. But that's that, that goes beyond the video analysis part. That's the environment you're creating. Yeah, I, I know this is a, almost like it's a different conversation moving away from that, but uh, I do think that the, the conversations when you've got the video analysis, because video analysis can be brutal because yeah. there is there are the facts in front of you. Uh, yeah, as you're saying, you're showing the compassion there. A very good um, video clip recently from... Ron O'Gara talking about kicking uh, in in big matches and he used yeah. to be very fearful of suddenly having that situation where it was win or lose on him and he had to change his mindset to become I'm really looking forward to taking this one you know coach uh, captain put me in to take this kick because this is this is the kicks I want to train for but it needed someone to realize that uh, every player is vulnerable I mean just imagine coming off the bench to throw the ball in on your own line uh, that those yeah. sorts of things are, are tough and 
these these thoughts are going through the the players' minds, and uh, that that's a tough one sometimes to coaches to be able to say, look, I I, I feel your pain. I mean, it's just like any coach who's run had to run in their defensive line system that they're putting in place, and suddenly they realise this is hard work. I've got so many cues. Yeah. Um, anyway, going back to the communication uh, and around that, which is something which can be dangerous, is extrinsic targeting. So extrinsic targeting is giving numbers for players to reach during the game. You've got to make this number of tackles or your, your percentage tackle rate has to be here. Um, or you should be making this number of offloads or this uh, this number of kicks percentage-wise. How do you manage to keep this in context and to allow more intrinsic outcomes to develop? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put data um, on on a lot of things in a game. I, I actually, I think Eddie Jones is kind of of that mindset. I, I've heard Warren, Warren Gatland as well uh, speak about this. Like, the, one of the, it's about the controllables as well. I know I keep going back to this off the ball stuff, but mm. um, your defence shouldn't be based around um, uh, the number of missed tackles. It, it should be based around how quickly everyone was into position. So if you have a time where you could have, you know, we have a off back to feet within uh, two seconds of, of of making a tackle, then you know you're going to have that um, extra man on the feet. Or you're saying we, we always want to have 30, how many set plays have we got um, 12 people up in the defensive line, you know, on feet um, as a percentage, rather than having the missed tackle as a percentage. Then that's something everyone can look to achieve within the game and will then give you the best opportunity to, to go and execute. The... The, the the tackle itself is is basically the the outcome of you know getting position early. Actually, the best way to look at it is the offloads that you are talking about. An offload in itself, you've got to be aware that saying we want to have this many offloads would be actually telling a person to seek contact before giving the pass, um, which might not be the best decision for them. So the that's that's really dangerous <laughs> and. And the offload itself has got a lot to do with ruck speeds. It's got a lot to do with the the, the ball player having multiple threats. Um, and that's the guys around them as well as himself being able to do multiple things rather than just tuck the ball. Uh, and then they've got a much easier ability to offload if they choose to make that decision. So I would just, for me, and this is really, I would be like ruck speed, um, trying to get uh, an average ruck speed of, uh, you know, between three seconds early, you know, 3.14 would be one of the things we look at. <laughs> um, and, uh, the, and the speed to feet as well. And, and then the numbers in line defensively, those would be three things I would look at in terms of data. And everything else is far too complex to chuck a number on. So then should be opened up for discussion. And the more data you surround a moment with, the less chance you've got of opening that out to discussion. Um, which then stops the players learning. Like it, for me, it all goes back to I need to create a learning opportunity here with video, and I want to change the players. Um, I, I want to positively change their behaviours on pitch. That's that's the whole point of it. Um, and I know there's a, there's a lot of research there, but the stuff that stuck with me was would be that um, in, in order to change learner behaviour, you have to be effectively be effective at knowledge sharing. So I think mm. we're pretty good with that. You have to give the learner the opportunity to self-reflect, uh, which I think video is helping a lot more now. And then you have to have that critical thinking element where you're kind of starting to challenge their self-reflection and their assumptions uh, in a way that's going to bring out the best of them. So 
what you really are looking to create is uh, players who can accurately self-reflect and communicate effectively. So essentially, that's a, that's a coachable leader. <laughs> and I want all my players to be coachable leaders. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a long answer. Sorry about that, Dan. No, no, that's a, a, and a very powerful one because I think that, again, uh, we are when we're watching, say, the Six Nations, there's a whole raft of stats come up on the screen. And uh, as um, anyone who happens to be watching with me gets bored with him, I say, well, what's the point of that stat? That hasn't told me anything. A yeah. fullbacks run uh, more yards than anybody, meters more than anybody else. Uh, but he probably collected four long kicks. So that doesn't show uh, anything. And I think I, I saw that um, Scotland beat England on three or four key stats, which you would say that would win a game. Yet... Yeah. It it was uh, that wasn't the that wasn't the reason that they they lost they didn't win the game there were other there are other factors so as you say things you can control is far more important and I think in teaching sometimes we have and coaching we set ourselves extrinsic targets or set the players extrinsic targets in coaching in the in the say a game situation or you've got to do six of this five of these four of those and that sort of thing. And actually, as you say, the circumstances may not arise. So yeah. you're, you're chasing the last three of those. Um, you've got to ask five, five players, five different questions. And I mean, that's the sort of, this is, this is going back to teaching practice of years and years ago. I mean, I've, I've been in teaching 25 years and uh, yeah. these are things that have changed. But I think that a more powerful conversation is around how can you use video analysis to look at the deeper controllables yeah. like getting off your feet uh, than say uh, then you know was that can you make more dominant tackles well as a winger for instance dominant tackles don't really come into it no, maybe as a maybe as a um, not that I like the terms but a guard or bodyguard defender they're probably going to be in much better positions to make dominant tackles and that's just just the way things go so um by accident rather than by design it leads me very nicely to my next question <laughs> so, so that, if only uh, someone knew that i was thinking ahead but i wasn't yeah. some players are naturally more heavily involved in the game than others say nines versus wingers one of the coaching challenges to give to keep the cognitive load down for nines, and I'll explain what I mean by cognitive load in a moment, and give the wingers more to think about. So um, something you said much earlier is uh, that you've got to, you can't give players lots and lots to think about uh, in the game. You've got to give them one or two things. So nines will be making probably 20 more passes at least than wingers and uh, making far more decisions. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be off the ball is going to be involved in this. So, again, what are the coaching challenges to keep the nines uh, uh, not having to think too much and the wingers more to think about? Yeah, on the, on the nines as well, I think the game's changing a lot. I'm, I'm not sure. That, I remember watching some of the stuff from the World Cup, and uh, when England played against New Zealand, they, they had multiple nines on the pitch. As soon as that ball was available, you, you know, I told you it would be a nine or... Um, you know, it, it could be it could be anyone who's around there. Um, I think the in, in terms of the nines themselves, like they have a lot of decisions to make on ball for sure. Like they have far more on ball decisions to make than the the winger. But 
in saying that, like the game that I see now, especially at the elite level, I think this is where the game differs from where I'm coaching uh, and the kind of elite game, is there are mini games happening across the park. Um, and what I mean by that is the, the, the winger is constantly assessing opportunities and threats. Um, the kick has become far more accurate. The kick to contest become huge. Uh, kick pass even to, to beat a, a, a blitz defence. And the wingers then now in a position where they can be on the complete other side of the pitch, which used to be three or four passes away or two phases away, where they can be involved in that phase. So they, they're actually having to constantly assess the opportunities and threats in front of them, uh, whether they're defending that kick or whether they're um, going to look to take advantage of uh, no one in front of them. Um, so it, it, it's definitely changed. And, and, and in terms of, if I bring that into the analysis of a game, rugby's taken a bit longer um, to, to get the kind of camera angles required to make everyone accountable at all times. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So if you, if I, we've got a lot of hockey teams. Well, best thing about what I do with the, the platform is that I get to see multiple sports all the time being assessed. And that's, that's great for me as a coach, to be honest. And uh, looking at hockey and, and, and football, they, they will have a, an angle that covers the whole pitch. So football will be side on, but it'll be the whole pitch. Uh, and hockey will be behind the sticks, um, uh, or behind the goals, I guess, for them. Um, and that will be whole pitch as well. Because any one of the players, no matter how close you are to the ball, could, could get the ball at any point. And they're all having their little mini one-on-ones um, to make themselves free. And that's now happening in rugby uh, because of that kick. Um, and so I think... The camera angles are starting to change because of that. You've got drone footage now being fed into the elite game. You've got that kind of spider cam that kind of runs across uh, the, the stadiums now and gives you like the, the full picture. So at the elite level now, players across the whole park can be held more accountable for their decisions off ball. So going back to that original question about the nine, I actually think everyone's got a, a, a large cognitive load. It just It's just dependent on whether it's close to the ball or on ball or whether it's um, uh, further away from the ball. Uh, and going back to my level um, that I'm at, the biggest one that I notice that is people switch off the further you get away from the ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, that's one of the ones I just want to, I want to work on that as a coach because it's hard to pull up players for that until something bad happens or, or, or until an opportunity is missed or, you know, the ball gets put over the top and no one's been there to cover it because it's not being captured in the in the footage. Um, because the, the, the generally in rugby, you would be kind of closer to the ball, zooming in and out of that ruck area or that scrum, uh, whatever, to get the kind of technical detail on the set piece or that, that contact area. Um, and actually there's stuff you could be missing with the wingers who maybe should be screaming for the ball because there's no one in front of them. Uh, but both pitch side and on your assessment of the match after with video, you're not really tuned into those things because you're actually focused very much around the ball as well. Um, so I'm trying my best to pull myself away from that kind of view and, and get my head up and see if the wingers are missing things um, that, that, that could have resulted in tries if they'd just been a bit more vocal. So, yeah. And when that's one of the challenges for wingers, I think, um, that they... To be more involved in the game, they've got the, they've got that fantastic opportunity to see a, the wider angle, and 
probably to give the the nines and tens or whoever's standing in those positions more information definitely uh because they're naturally their their view is narrowed from where they are the the nines and tens and the the wingers can see the space but also to say well when you called for the space was the space actually there or was the opportunity there and then then they can have a much better understanding of recognizing it because sometimes it's matching up the players or seeing where the the flow of the game is going so it's yeah. uh, it, it i think the video analysis probably allows you much better more powerful i keep saying more powerful but more effective conversations with players who don't think they are as involved in the game and to get them more more involved so yeah. one of the things uh, that uh, you you suggested uh, that you found has been very helpful for coaches is actually by coaches watching themselves coach yeah. which is quite scary and then of course you think well that's scary well just think what the players think that when when they're videoed so i'm sure that coaches probably think this and having been videoed myself it's it's quite a sobering moment when you think you've asked a perfect question and actually realize you've you've asked it in a, such a closed manner to two or three players that it's quite scary so how does this how does watching their own performance work effectively without the coach losing their confidence uh, in themselves to be the coach that they should be yeah i think they've got to first of all you, you've got to surround yourself with um people that are going to help you out um like uh, we're not so yeah we, we do a bit of work with england and, and they'll 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 have their level three coaches um uploading footage to uh, the level three platform and and there'll be mentors there assigned to that that coach to help them uh, get better and the difficulty there is that you feel everything's an assessment so as a coach you kind of know you're getting filmed and then uh, you might perform you know accordingly rather than being <laughs> authentic um so it's it's the struggle is to kind of think to yourself i'm doing this because i want to get uh, i want to get better and uh, the best way for me to get better is to actually go through the awkward process of watching myself and, and gathering people's opinions and, and it will be painful but if you're not the worst thing you can do is not be authentic you need mm -hmm. to go out there don't don't plan more than you've ever planned before don't have all the cones set up if that's not what you do um just go and coach a session and and uh, have someone film it um and then you know from that point you know take it from there the, the, the one the one thing that i thought was really useful for for coaches and what I think should come more into it is what their intended outcome was compared to what the players felt the intended outcome was of a, of a moment. So we talked about um, stimulated recall earlier a little bit, but um, the, the, the players will be able to recall a moment in the training session having the clip in front of them. Um, and generally what we do as coaches is we ask the coaches around us whether or not you know, that was a good session or that was a good drill or we consult the theory books and we say, cool, if I want to, you know, get the intended outcome of X, then I do this and the theory supports that. So therefore it's accurate. But who we don't really consult with is the, is the playing group to see if actually did this stick like how I thought it would stick, you know, if they got the key messages here. And I think there's a really big opportunity as a coach, which would be tough um, to take those first steps is to, yeah, film a session, clip some clips up and, uh, send them to the players and just go, what do you reckon the intended outcome was here? 
um, and and see what they come back with. Um, and and then that will give you a better assessment than asking guys that you've known for twenty years how <laughs> you get on. <laughs> yeah, that's a brave um, a brave thing to do. And yet, if you want to move forward in your coaching, then those are sorts of the brave steps you've got to take. Yeah, as you say, with with support around you, with people saying, yeah, this is a good thing to do, and be prepared for this. And if this is goes wrong, well, this is how we can sort it out. They're, they're not going to write you off as a bad coach. You're going to say. Right. Well, what can I do better next time? Just as much as you'd be asking, asking the players. Mark, right. I've really enjoyed uh, delving into this because you've given some um, very interesting additional messages to what I think people think about in terms of uh, video analysis and how they can use it effectively. I think they think they just uh, uh, do a bit of um, show a few highlight reels and say you could have done this better and that's it. But there's, there's more to it than that. So. Um, just tell us a little bit more about uh, what Coach Logic does and where people can find out more about uh, accessing it. Yes, so the reason that we, me and Andy, uh, founder with me, um, created the platform was we were both school teachers um, and uh, we also were players at the same time. And we just wanted to bring video closer to the learning aspect. And we felt that the video analysis that we went through as players wasn't really impacting our our um, learning of the game, especially on pitch. So we just wanted to make it an easy place for a coach to send clips um, to the playing group. And then it changed into the players starting to send clips to each other um, because it's pretty easy to use and you can use it on an app. Um, and then have discussions around your key moments uh, to kind of extend the amount of contact time you have with the players and to improve um, the contact time you do have because they're all kind of on the same page by the time they, they get to to the training session. So that's that's really the, the crux of it. It's a video video tool with a communication tool and a feed uh, for you to have those discussions around those key moments. And uh, yeah, to, in terms of accessing that, um, it's uh, there's a free 15 day trial and it's you can go to just Google Coach Logic and you'll you'll find the website. Um, and we're pretty good at helping helping you new, new uh, starters out because we know that for some coaches this can be pretty daunting. Um, but I just ask them to take it back to what they're good at. They're, they're coaches, you know, they're, they're very good at um, getting players to learn. And that's what analysis should be about. So um, it's just another tool for, for, for that. You know, it's just another tool to support uh, you as a coach rather than thinking it as a statistical generator that you have to have complexity that you can't master. It's not, it's not to do with that at all. <laughs> and I, I know that you've briefly mentioned it but you're also working quite closely with the rfu on their level three courses is that right yeah so yeah we um it was funny we, we went through a whole development where we started off with it was a coach to player tool because that's where we thought you know, that had to happen and it became well why are we making coaches the only guys that can create content here so we opened it out that all the players can do analysis and send stuff to each other and then what happened was uh we thought well this is just using video as a learning tool and uh, England Rugby were really interested in um, trying to increase the numbers of, of uh, coaches on their, their level three and start reducing the barriers to, to that level three course um, and so therefore it became coaches submitting their coaching video and uh, so taking the role of the, as a player on their traditional platform and the mentors rather than having to be pitch side and using their clipboards to scribble notes down <laughs> and talk to a coach who has a 
who can't remember the things they remembered about the coaching session. It's uh, done from the comfort of their own home and uh, they can have a meaningful discussion around content that both of them have access to. So um, that's, yeah, that's how it's all evolved. And uh, to be honest, I know I'm, I know I'm Scottish, but uh, working with RFU has been class. And uh, to be, I, I think that the you guys deserve uh, what you what you get in terms of the success you've had in the World Cup. I think there's a lot of really good people doing a lot of really good work, and uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm really happy to be supporting supporting them. Oh, well, uh, it's I think that well, the RFU probably um, are amongst. Uh, the better ones because they've got the resource, but I also know that other ones are very keen to get more and more involved in it. I think it's um, the great thing is that uh, the unions do tend to share um, success between each other, which uh, is helpful for everybody. Anyway, yeah. Mark, thank you very much uh, for your time and your insights into how we can use video analysis more effectively, but also probably more importantly, the right ways to have the the best conversations and what we should be looking for. So, yeah, thanks very much for your time on that. No, thanks very much for having me. And uh, yeah, hopefully the, the 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 listeners will enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure they will. I don't think just enjoy it, but also take away things. Oh, I could use this and use that in these in these different circumstances. So this is a Rugby Coach Weekly podcast. If you want to find out more, go to the rugbycoachweekly.net website and click on the podcast button and you'll find out uh, more about this podcast some links to uh, what uh, mark's been talking about and also find out more about some of the other great podcasts we've had so thank you all for listening and hope to catch up with you soon thanks for listening to rugby coach weekly podcast if you want to hear more podcasts, head over to RugbyCoachWeekly.net and click on the Blogs tab to catch up on any episodes you've missed. We look forward to speaking to you again soon with more insights from coaches and experts from the world of rugby, sport, and learning.